let's go. <laughs> let's go somewhere else is our title today. Uh, Mark 1, 29 to 39 is our text. Today is the fifth Sunday in the season of Epiphany, and it's actually the last one this year, the last one before Transfiguration Sunday. Uh, we have fewer Sundays during Epiphany this year because Easter comes earlier, and when it does that, Lent starts earlier. That means Epiphany ends earlier. Uh, the theme of Epiphany is Jesus being revealed to the world, or as I put it a few Sundays ago, Jesus being introduced to the world. We saw him being introduced in his, at his baptism, and as John the Baptist proclaimed about him, we heard him uh, in the last few weeks call some of his followers, and how part of that call involved inviting others, as Philip called Nathaniel. Uh, we heard about how being introduced to Jesus is a life-changing moment for us, and we have that in our lives. And we saw Jesus introduced as the one who had been promised, who would speak into our lives, into the world with authority. Today's text follows immediately on last week's text. It introduces us further to Jesus and his work. As we consider our text today, we want to be looking for some possible responses to what Jesus does in our lives. Specifically, how we respond to him by how we relate to what Jesus does for us and how uh, he works in our world. Our title today comes from Jesus' words in our text, which we will hear towards the end of the text. And as we hear them, we want to think about where we want to be as Christians. Where do we want to be? Now, the where, as we think about where we want to be, we might think about this partially in a literal sense of where we are physically, but partly also in a metaphorical sense, um, as, uh, in, in a different way, just thinking about where our attention is and things like that. Um, it's not entirely either one or the other. It's kind of a combination of both of those. As we listen to the text today, think about where people wanted to be uh, as they encountered Jesus and saw what he was doing, and where Jesus invited them. To be. As we do that, we will consider also what Jesus says to us, and where we may want to be, and also where Jesus invites us to be. These are not always different. They might be the same place, but they can be different sometimes, where we want and where Jesus invites us to be. So that's what we're listening to in our text this morning. Mark 1, uh, 29 to 39. I'll invite you to stand as I read that this morning. Mark 1, 29 to 39, reading in Jesus' name. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, where he prayed. 
Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled through Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word to us. Thank you for the interaction that uh, Simon and the others have with Jesus as they learn about Jesus' purpose and and the way that he works. And uh, so I ask as we encounter that ourselves, that you would guide us to know uh, how you would want to work in our lives too. Uh, Guide us this morning in that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite any of the kids that want to come up to come to the front. All right. Come on up. There's another spot over here. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, if you guys were listening just now to what I read, somebody was looking for someone, right? Do you know, who were they looking for? They were looking for Jesus, right? Yeah, God. That's, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's a fair answer, right? He's God. Yeah, they were looking for Jesus, right? Um, why were they looking for Jesus, do you know? What were they looking for? Why were they looking for him? Did you hear that? It was just before. What was Jesus doing before that? He was healing people, right? Lots of people that were sick, had different diseases, even people with demons. He was casting out the demons. They were looking for him, really, probably because they wanted to have him do more of that. They were excited about that. Um, Did Jesus do exactly what they expected him to do when they found him? What did he do? Did he come back with them to where they were? Or what did he say? Yeah, he said, we'll go to some nearby villages, right? Well, here's what I'm getting at today and what we can listen for today. Uh, where would we find Jesus? Where do you think we might find Jesus? Not the same way that they did, but where do we find Jesus? In our hearts. In our hearts, he's there, right? Where else? Everywhere. He's everywhere, so we can find him everywhere. Yeah, we don't have to be in a particular place. We can find him anywhere. What is the thing that helps us to find him? What's something that we might hold in our hands that helps us to find Jesus? Our Bible, right? We know he's in our heart, and the way that he talks to us, even in our heart, is through his word in the Bible. And when we find him, sometimes we find really great things that help us and heal us and and a lot of good things that way. And sometimes we find things that are instructions that might not be quite so easy, but he invites us to come along with him. To, do some, to, to join him in what he is doing. So that's what we're listening for today. Um, I have for you here today somebody that's really searching. And it turns out the easiest one for me to find was somebody searching in a book. So it's kind of like searching for Jesus in the Bible, right? So if you'd like one of these, you can have one of those. Do you want to hand those out on this, this side here? There you go. Thank you. Thanks for coming up, guys. All right. That guy's really searching pretty hard in that book. So if anybody else wants one of those, find one of the kids and you can get one of those pictures. Um, Well, as we get to our text today, a few of the details that we get to are tied to the fact that this was the Sabbath day. And they had just been in the synagogue. So if you remember from last week, that was the setting. They were in the synagogue. Jesus was teaching. Um, He'd been preaching there. He would have been preaching with authority. So not just as someone who was 
uh, teaching what was written there, but Jesus had new words to say to people that, that explained what the Old Testament was about. Preaching the good news of the kingdom. He also cast a demon out of a man there in the synagogue. And what takes place now in our text uh, begins later in that day, probably in the, uh, the afternoon of that day. Uh, and we start this way. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Now, whether Jesus had already called all of his 12 closest followers that we call his 12 disciples or not at this point, we don't know. He, he might not have. It, it appears that at this point it was really just this small group so far. Um, James and John and Simon and Andrew. And Simon, of course, we know as Peter. Uh, we know him better as Peter than as Simon. Apparently, Simon Peter was married, and his mother-in-law lived with them, which probably means that she was a widow, and that's why she was living with them. Now, um, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, Mark tells us, and they immediately told Jesus about her. Now, if you've watched uh, the series about Jesus' ministry, The Chosen, uh, which I would say overall is a pretty good series. If you've watched that, maybe you've enjoyed watching that. Um, one thing, you might have, have noticed that this episode is portrayed a little bit differently than it appears here. In that series, she appears to be sick for quite some time, and it seems that Jesus seems to maybe know about it, but is waiting for a particular time to respond and heal her. Um, you know, we really don't get that sense from what's written here. Now, it's true that often in those times, fever could be thought of as being related to something evil uh, that is possessing a person. And uh, Luke kind of describes it a little bit more that way. But that doesn't mean that this had gone on for a long time. It simply means that, it, that having a fever was viewed very negatively. Um, so we have Jesus arriving at the house. Likely, he would have asked about the members of the household uh, as he got there. How, 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 you know, he wanted, normally, he would probably be greeted by those who are in the household, and he would ask about those who are there. Now, whether he did that or not, or whether they simply volunteered the information, uh, those at the house told Jesus about uh, Peter's mother-in-law, this woman who was sick with a fever. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Now, as we hear the story read in our culture, we might say, wow, that's pretty insensitive. She was just sick in bed with a fever, and now that she's better, she has to start waiting on everyone. Maybe that's our reaction as we hear this story. Well, you know, those thoughts are very well-meaning. Um, but if we're thinking along those lines, we might be missing a couple things, as Mark tells us about what happened there. The first is that this, this serving, waiting on them, was probably what she would have wanted to be doing. She was a, a hostess in that house. And certainly she would have felt that it was her obligation to serve guests. And not being able to do so would have almost certainly been a dis discouragement to her. And so being able to wait on them was a, a sign that she could be a good hostess in the house. So that's the first part. Secondly, we might note how totally effective the healing that Jesus gave was. Normally, if someone has a fever and it goes away, you expect that the body is still weak. It takes some time to recover from that as as you gain strength again, I think we've probably all had that experience of having a fever, it goes away, you feel better, but not quite 
up to doing everything that you would normally do. But in this case, Jesus went in where she was, took her by the hand, and as he did so, she was healed. And she was back to full strength. It wasn't a a lengthy process. As we saw last week, as Jesus was speaking with authority, casting out demons, he has authority like this over the world. He can give complete healing. That is what it's like to experience the effect that Jesus has on our lives. Sometimes we experience that physically, like Simon Peter's mother-in-law did. I think there are still times where God, um, where we find God healing physical bodies in miraculous ways. Not always, but I think there are times where he does. More often, we find this kind of healing spiritually, especially if we find ourselves in times of desperation, spiritually, maybe feeling hopeless, maybe feeling the weight of our wrongdoing on our lives. We come to Jesus and we receive healing. And often, it's, it's a real, complete weight lifted from us. Sometimes, because we live in the sinful world, that weight comes back and we have to come back to God again. But we can really find healing in Jesus. As we think about this in terms of location, whether literal or, or figurative, Um, and where we want to be, at least in that figurative, metaphorical sense, we may want to be there, in that place, where we feel that healing from God. We may desire to, if we experience that, experience peace that He gives, we may want that to last and be permanent and to only be there in this world. Um... That was certainly true, literally, physically, for those who found out about Jesus that we read about in our text today. They found out uh, about what Jesus was doing, and they wanted to be there with him where they could be healed. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The point of being after sunset here was particularly because, as we said, this had been the Sabbath day, and the Sabbath day ended at sunset. And so during that Sabbath day, they wouldn't do the work to bring people to Jesus, but once it was sunset, that special day of, of rest was over, and they would bring the people to Jesus. So now in the evening, they were free to do the work that it, that it took to get these sick people to Jesus. This was a great place to be. It was a great place to be for those who came to Jesus, where Jesus was. That was a great place to be. It's still a great place to be, where Jesus is. And yes, it's true, we heard you know, from the kids, he's everywhere. But as we think about the places where we connect with him, we still can feel like it's, it's a great place to be in whatever the setting is, where we really feel that connection with God. This desire to find Jesus was so strong that many people wanted to come to him. Um, One of the places where we might feel like we can connect with God is right here. As we gather together to hear from God's word, we sing wonderful songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And, and that encourages us, and it reminds us of God's love for us. And that is a really good thing. It's a really good thing 
to be in this place where we can do that together. And as we see now here, the desire to be where Jesus is is, is strong. And so this is what we find. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. Wow. You might think, the whole town. The whole town was gathered at the door. Well, you know, Mark kind of has a tendency to exaggerate a little bit, so maybe this was an exaggeration, that the whole town was at the door, but the reality is it was very, very crowded, as many, many people came to um, see Jesus, to be healed. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. Now, a lot of commentators point out that when it says here that Jesus healed many who had various diseases, that many does not signify to us that it was not all of those who came that were sick. Only many of them uh, were healed. It doesn't mean that. When Mark says to us that many were healed, he's not saying that some weren't. What he's saying is, he's emphasizing that there weren't just a few people that came to Jesus and were healed. There were many people who came to Jesus and were healed. Another way of saying that it was huge crowds that came to him. The point is that the numbers that came to Jesus and were healed were many. We can expect as we read the story that everyone that came to him with sickness was healed. In, in this particular case, at least. He also drove out many demons, Mark tells us, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Last week we heard this in particular, in the conversation that happened as the demon acknowledged who Jesus was and Jesus said, be quiet. Why would Jesus not want them to say who he was? Well, we could have a long discussion about that. That, could, that really could be long. Certainly many, many words have been written and spoken about why Jesus did not want them to say who he was. Um, but as a summary of that, as we think about our question um, that I'm asking today, or, or kind of the, the framework that we're looking at this today, about where we want to be, about location in that sense, where we want to be both physically and metaphorically, it might be helpful to understand or think of the reason why Jesus would not want them to say who he was as being this, that acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah might give us a wrong perception of what it means to be with him, to be where he is. We won't dwell on this a long time now, this morning, but think about it this way. For them, for these people, the Messiah meant, having the Messiah meant that someone would give them freedom. The Messiah was someone who would give them freedom, which he is but not exactly in the way that they were thinking. They wanted political freedom from Rome, independence, and for good reason, to worship God, and also not to suffer the hardships of being under a pagan emperor. What might be the, the effect on us of not understanding what it means for Jesus to be Messiah? Can we sometimes misunderstand what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah? Is it possible that we might think that being with Jesus, the Savior, is simply something that is for our benefit? Which, you know, it is for our benefit, but not only. Is it easy to think that where we want to be is with Jesus because He solves our problems and gives us peace? 
Now, we do find forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of our rebellion against Him. We find it in Jesus. We do find a sense of peace with Him. There is peace with God in Jesus. He heals our hearts. He can calm our fears. He brings reconciliation with God and with people. And that's all wonderful. It's great. We, and, and we celebrate what God does in our lives. And so we might ask the question then, is there more? Is there more than just that? Let's go back to that setting now where Jesus has been healing people, gladly healing people of their diseases. He's been working miracles in their lives. There certainly was no end to how much healing he could do. And yet we find him doing what seemed to his friends something strange. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus had a crowd around him and was healing people and was casting out demons and was telling people about himself, and yet he went someplace else. At first here, we simply see him going to a place on his own, connecting with his father in prayer. And we can learn from that as well, but it's maybe not where our focus is this morning. There was more than just meeting people's physical needs and even their spiritual needs that Jesus was concerned with. This was not expected by those who were getting to know Jesus. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And, you know, went to look for him, as we read it that way, is probably a little bit of a weak way of describing what they were doing. They searched for him. They pursued him, even. That would be a way... Uh, of describing this that would describe what they were doing. They were, they were searching all over. The idea of hunting him down might fit, not in a negative way with negative intent, but the idea of thoroughly looking everywhere for him. They didn't know where he went. So they had to look everywhere. They were actively doing that, um, looking everywhere to find him. And then, and then they did. They found him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. Jesus, you're, you're famous. People want to see you. Come on. What were they looking for him for? Why were they looking for him? Jesus was not where they expected him to be. He was somewhere else. What is our reaction? What is our reaction when we don't find Jesus exactly where we expect him to be? Maybe I need to clarify that a little bit, uh, what I mean by that question. What do we do when we expect that God might work in a certain way and we don't see him exactly working in that way. Now we're thinking in kind of the the metaphorical sense of, of where we find Jesus. What place do we find him in? What do we find God doing? Is it where we expect? When we have an idea that God should be working in a certain way in our lives and we find that what we expect to be happening is not what's happening, do we do what Simon and his companions do? What were they doing? They were looking for Jesus, but not particularly because they wanted to find out what he was doing and learn about it. They had another purpose in mind. They wanted to find him because he wasn't doing the wonderful things that he had been doing uh, the evening before, and they didn't know why, and they wanted him back. Everyone is looking for you. Come back, Jesus, and keep doing these things. There's a lot crammed into that short sentence. Everyone is looking for you. 
Everyone is looking for you because you're doing such wonderful things and we want you to continue. We might find ourselves thinking the same thing sometimes. We might go looking for Jesus. We might be praying, thinking that we know what he needs to be doing. And that's where we find ourselves spiritually, wanting him to do what we think he should be doing. Come back, Jesus. Come back right here. The spot where I know there's a miracle that you need to do. Maybe they were excited about the things that were going on. And not just for themselves, but for others as well. So this kind of takes a little shift in in there as well. Think about Simon and his companions following Jesus. They're seeing Jesus do things. They they want to continue to see Jesus do these things. They want to be around what's going on. It's an exciting time. What I just described is maybe what any of us might be thinking when we want God to work in a certain way in our lives, but can also extend beyond just that. Churches often change in size, in numbers. We might see fewer numbers as a negative, and we might see greater numbers as a positive. We might look at times where we see a lot of activity and growth going on in a church as good times for that church. When we see things going well in a church or in, or in another Christian ministry, it might be a place where we want to be. We might want to be there. We might be a want, want to be around that because we see that it's exciting and we want to be where we see God working. We're excited to be in a place where we see God working, and that's a good thing. It really is. We want to see God working. Sometimes, though, the excitement of good things that God is doing can get in the way of seeing even more. Simon and his companions were seeing great things that God was starting to do in the city of Capernaum. They were excited about what God was doing. They were excited about where they were, where all of this activity was going on. We might be excited about what we see God doing in our congregation or in our lives. We might be like the people also who were coming to Jesus simply because They were desperate for his healing. These are good things to come to Jesus because of those reasons. And at the same time, Jesus has something bigger in mind. So as they point out to Jesus that people are looking for him, as you know, I mean, was he really surprised by that? I think he probably knew that they were looking for him. But as they point this out to Jesus, here's his response. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else. Let's go somewhere else. But all of these good things are happening, Jesus. Look right here. All these great things are happening. Let's go somewhere else. When all these good things are happening, why would Jesus say, let's go somewhere else? More specifically for us, we might ask the question, is this something that Jesus might say to us? Not necessarily literally going somewhere else, uh, as, you know, some people from our congregation are in Arizona or Florida right now. I don't think that's particularly what he was talking about. I hope hope they're having a a good time. (laughs) You know, not necessarily physically like that, going someplace else. It might be metaphorical as well. What would it mean if Jesus were to say to us, let's go 
somewhere else. Where was the somewhere else that Jesus wanted to go? If we answer that question, it might help us know what he might say to us. To nearby villages so I can preach there also, Jesus says. Capernaum was great. Jesus was preaching there. He was teaching people. Uh, People were being healed. But it was only one place. Jesus didn't only come for that one place. Jesus came so that he could work in many places. And that after his death and resurrection, his followers would go out to even more places, even spreading out to the whole world. So that's what he was teaching them here. He wanted the word to get out. It was not to be kept in a small group. It was to go out to many. That is why I have come, he said to them. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. What does it mean for us to go somewhere else? What would it mean? Missionaries have been going out into other parts of the world for 2,000 years. The hardest places to go are sometimes the somewhere else that God is directing us. Our uh, Lutheran Brethren Church, our denomination, has been committed to going somewhere else where people have not yet heard the good news. And when people have heard the good news in one place, we've shifted to a new place where they have not heard. Some people are called to do that, specifically to go physically to distant places, literally somewhere else. But whether we are called to physically go to distant places, to go somewhere else, I believe if we hear what Jesus is telling us today, we will see that he is inviting all of us to go somewhere else. Some of us might be part of this congregation at Community of Joy for the rest of our lives. That doesn't mean that we can't also, in a way, go somewhere else. Where is somewhere else? Jesus wanted to go to villages that hadn't heard of him yet. Our missionaries go overseas to places where people haven't heard of him yet. Somewhere else is simply the place where people need to hear about Jesus. What places around us, even here, can we find people who need to hear about Jesus? Let's go somewhere else. So as we think about this, kind of in a summary, in our text today, we find people being excited to be with Jesus as he teaches and heals. And that is really good. And we're excited when we see that in our lives. At the next level, we find people excited as they see others coming and Jesus working in their lives also. That's also really good. And we see that as people are drawn to Jesus. As people come, either you know, to our congregation or to other, other congregations or other places where they hear God's word, and they come to those places. These are both really good places to see Jesus working. But it's only the beginning of what he has for us. Because some have not heard, and some won't just come. He invites us then to join him in so much more. And when we do, we get to see so much more. He invites us, as he did his followers that day, let's go somewhere else. Let's go where people need to hear about Jesus. Now I invite us, as a congregation, to have conversation about what that means for us, whether individually or as a conversation. Let's talk about it and discover what does that mean to go somewhere else as a congregation and as individuals as Jesus invites us to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this account of Jesus and interacting with 
many different people and the way that he works in healing, in teaching, and also then teaching his followers to go out and not just receive the benefits themselves of what he did, but to spread that to others as well. And I thank you that we have the benefits of what Jesus has done for us and that we get to share that with others as well. And I ask that you would help us to see the somewhere else that you would have us to go. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.